Welcome to Museum Way, the podcast of Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. We're sharing all the ins and outs of the museum, from the galleries to the trails, the architecture and more. You'll learn the Museum Way of Crystal Bridges. Happy 2019! Along with the new year, we're kicking off Season 2 of Museum Way. We have an exciting episode today with our Executive Director and Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Rod Bigelow, as well as our Deputy Director, Sandy Edwards. We'll be looking back on some of their favorite moments from 2018, and we'll look forward to the exciting plans in store for the new year. So let's jump into this episode of Museum Way. We're here with Rod Bigelow and Sandy Edwards. Welcome to the podcast, y'all. Thanks, Stace. Thank you. All right, Sandy, let's start with you. Um, why don't you just tell us uh, a little bit about your role, uh, uh, what a deputy director does, and maybe some background as to what brought you to Crystal Bridges. As deputy director at the museum, I'm currently in my 11th year, which means that I came during the organizing part, if you will, of the museum when uh, it had been announced and we were literally building the museum, the building, the collection, and the personnel, the operation. So my job during that time was a lot about building. And uh, over that uh, time period, I became more involved in what I would call external relations. So day in and day out, uh, help manage the brand, uh, the interface with our guests through guest services, also our membership program, and long-term sustainability through private gift support. But <laughs> all right. Well, how did I get there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find it interesting. Uh, I know a little bit about your background just in conversations we've had over the last few years that I've been with the museum. Uh, how did you get to Crystal Bridges? Well, it is it is interesting because uh-huh. when you work at a museum, people assume that maybe you have spent your life studying art or art history. And I did study that as a liberal arts major when I was in college. I took the appreciation courses. But I went in a little different direction. And the early part of my career was really in performing arts management and music promotion. And then as you do, as you grow and mature, I had the opportunity to raise money for the cultural arts at universities. Uh, I was at Penn State University doing that and then was recruited with my late husband to come to the University of Arkansas in 1998, where we were asked to help design, build, and uh, plan, and then operate the campaign for the 21st century. So we came to Arkansas and just loved it, and I consider it home. Great. Well, I know that you uh, you came to Crystal Bridges from the university. Is correct. that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, was that through some of the relationships that you had made um, working there? Yes. Fortunately, I had the opportunity to get to know members of the Walton family. And as they were planning Crystal Bridges and we were in conversation, they thought it might be a position that would appeal to me. And it certainly did. Well, 11 years later. Yes. Here we are. Yeah. So, Rod, why don't you tell me all of that stuff <laughs> all that for stuff. you. Sure. So um, I'm working on my eighth year at the museum and I came really – I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So I am uh, from far away in the rest of the country and I also grew up in a liberal arts um, environment and went to a liberal arts college. But I came out of that college with a finance degree. So as Sandy said, um, I didn't – I had art 101 in college. That's mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. 
So um, from there, I went and worked uh, for a com- telecommunications company working in uh, operations and finance and then ended up working for an art school and uh, an art museum, which is a small regional museum in accounting. So I was learning the museum from that perspective very much. That was the Tacoma Art Museum, correct? That's right. Uh, Tacoma, Washington, which is a great, uh, great space. But I got an opportunity to build help build a new building there as part of the long-term strategy with that organization and then ended up getting recruited to go to the Toledo Museum of Art where it's a fa- fabulous museum that's that's been in in operations from the turn of the 20th century so in Toledo Ohio I'm yes, assuming yeah, yeah not Toledo Spain Toledo Ohio <laughs> so there I also got to work on uh, completing a building with wonderful architects uh, and then came here much like Sandy did to take advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime experience of building a museum, building a team, and building a collection, and really introducing um, a different cultural experience to a community that hadn't really had access in the past. Now, I think I would think that, um, certainly for myself, but uh, a lot of our visitors may not realize exactly how rare it is to be able to be on the beginning stages of a brand new museum. What was that like? For both of you, well, I think it's it's um, incredibly inspiring, also incredibly humbling. There's a great deal of responsibility when you think about how you approach a community in a way that isn't um, one that demands a particular um, way in which people interact with that space. So our mission of welcoming all really was about finding those touchstones with with people across. Uh, this community as well as across the country and finding what's relevant to them. Yeah, I must say that our field of uh, museum management uh, art is very, very generous. And we reached out to a lot of people to find out uh, what worked, what didn't work, get comparables. Not a lot of museums are built deep in a ravine in the Arkansas <laughs> woods. But uh, there are best practices that are out there. And to the credit of Alice Walton, our founder and chair, she advised us, find out what's working best in other places and then make it conform or work to fit our unique mission, which is literally to welcome all, as Rod said. Right, because you here you're uh, basically building this cultural institution in a place that's never had anything quite like this before. Uh, I know that um, I share with Alice Walton um, a background in terms of growing up here uh, where there wasn't an institution. And so we would drive to Tulsa or we would go to uh, Kansas City to see um, art museums. And so it was, you know, if you're able to do that, um, it's a a wonderful experience. But now I know certainly with uh, Crystal Bridges, the education bit of our mission is extremely important. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Oh, yeah. I think education has been at the, the central core of the institution from the very beginning and how we develop everything that we do. So and when we talk about education, it's not necessarily like sitting in a classroom and learning something. It's about creating experiences that are relevant to your life and um, hopefully creating an environment in which people can um, – think beyond where they have existed in their lives um, and really start to dream and act maybe differently based on what their own interests are. And our job is to create a space where we tell stories about the past and the present and we give opportunities for people to come together in an environment that is 
safe and bold, uh, one where we're really trying to inspire different kinds of discussions, uh, different perspectives, and uh, different actions. Yeah, and you can tell a lot of that is reflected by the, the art and the artists that we have in our collection <clears throat> who are diverse and bold and uh, uh, questioning um, yeah. through their work. And all art was contemporary when it was made. And so it's really fascinating for our guests to be able to see an earlier work uh, in early America still relevant and speaking to work that's been done today. So we hope that we're setting up the gallery experience, too, when you're a guest at the museum, to be inspired in that way as well. Just not take a chronological walk or to enjoy one movement, but really to see how they interact with one another. Well, there's lots of us that work in the museum field that didn't grow up going to and visiting museums. So for us, we're really passionate about truly creating access to the experiences that we provide for absolutely everyone. You don't have to have a PhD in art history. You don't right. have to have this familiarity about what goes on in a museum. We, we think of ourselves as a community center, but also as a startup. We're still yeah. trying to figure out what we're doing and what right. people want and where we're going. And you know, I think hopefully we can keep some of that you know, part of our culture going, um, like Northwest Arkansas, in fact, really thinks about how do we evolve by honoring the past and understanding the past, like our historic collection, but also embracing the opportunities for the future. Well, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. So as Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, tell me a little bit about how that uh, role came about. Sure. Uh, I think what was happening at the time was the museum field was really being introspective on who was telling the story of America, not only America, but all art across uh, this country. And actually, there's an international component to this as well. So um, the Mellon Foundation commissioned a study to really understand what was the makeup of, of staffs across um, this country, at least. In, um, and the results were pretty straightforward that those people in curatorial roles um, – interpretation roles, conservation, which is making sure you care for the work works of art. Um, those types of roles were all being driven by individuals that were not of color. So um, it was a very high percentage of staff that um, were not very diverse. And so Mellon came to the table and said, um, you've got an issue in the field. And I think museums rightly took a look at uh, – all of their teams and Crystal Bridges really stepped forward very robustly and said, we're going to take this seriously from the very top of the organization and say, we're going to integrate diversity and inclusion and equity into everything that we do as an institution. So adding a chief diversity and inclusion officer to my title was a, a very significant signal to all of us that this was core to the success of the institution. And I think um, many institutions across the country are truly looking that as core. As the demographics of the country change dramatically, um, we have to stay relevant to those communities and we have to be reactive and um, really position uh, ourselves as um, a place where people come to have experiences that uh, connect with their lives. So, so a lot of organizations would have this role perhaps separate from the executive director, but – Part of what Crystal Bridges, the board and, and the governing body, wanted to do was was actually make a statement. Very much. And I, actually, across museums, there really aren't that many roles that are either 
integrated from the top of the organization or have individuals. Only the largest institutions do. So for us, it's a constant uh, reminder and signifier that we're invested and that when we think of every aspect of the institution's programming, we think about including all of that at, at that very basic level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it actually makes it easier for us to embrace because it's it's part of our DNA. Mm-hmm. And um, it will be a constant evolution of change and uh, experiment and adoption and conversation and conversation because uh, inclusion just does not doesn't only include race right. or ethnicity it's everything about who we are um, not only what you can see so um, it's a very complex and evolving definition and for us to truly be um, representative of everyone it means embracing everyone's whole self. Recently, we received a letter from um, a woman who had been engaged with Will Wilson, uh, who came and uh, we coupled, he's a contemporary artist that we've coupled with Edward Curtis to have a dialogue about indigenous people and how indigenous people had been represented historically. And we got a letter from a mom who um, was able to, the, the mother's daughter was able to participate in a program with Will Wilson at the museum. In photography, he in many ways is using uh, a similar format, but taking a different approach from Edward Curtis. Right. It's a wet colonial, wet colonial style, uh, 19th century style process that he uses. And uh, the resulting images look make them look quite old and uh, historic, but yet they're contemporary images of, of indigenous people living today. Right. And the difference between Will Wilson and uh, Edward Curtis is that he allows the person to choose what they're going to wear and how they wish to represent themselves. And then he gives them the original. Uh, It is a wonderful approach to photography of indigenous people. And so I think the mother observing the daughter participating in this just made her very proud of uh, her heritage, uh, saw uh, the respect that was being given, uh, saw the museum in a way of making uh, this art that was historic, uh, very contemporary today, and was just moved by the whole process uh, from the museum taking uh, this as a priority, uh, giving this program literally to these people to experience and uh, wrote us just a very moving letter about how proud she was of of her daughter of will wilson of the museum and it was just a wonderful really talking about the first time she could find her daughter's true identity in mm. a space where they felt uh the museum was adopting um um a non-colonizing perspective mm-hmm. and how welcoming that experience had been one of respect, uh, one of trust, and one of thinking that uh, this may be a direction that we will continue pursuing, and it will be. Yeah, and I can I can even speak from the perspective of working in interpretation and curatorial on these projects of both the reinstallation and art for new understanding. Uh, is we very actively pursued and, and asked for input from advisors different types of advisors, scholars, artists, uh, even staff members, uh, to really be be honest and open um, about their concerns about the museum field historically. And uh, uh, so it's a lot 
to thank them for um, oh, I for think, doing for yes. working with us and allowing us to learn. Yeah, we're and inspired. To we're totally inspired by how willing people are to share their perspective, and we encourage that because that's how we learn. That's how we do better work, and um, I think that's what makes us all better as a community when we can come together and have a dialogue that's respectful, but um, moves us forward together. It, it makes it a richer experience. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. One of the interesting things that, uh, you know, we've done this year, and we're going to talk about this in a, in a few minutes, but um, the idea of <clears throat> asking ourselves, what is American art? You know, you have to step back a minute and say, well, what does that include? Who does that include? How far back do we go? Uh, how far ranging do we go, you know, uh, has been a really stimulating, challenging and um, kind of intense experience. And it's a, it's an open question, at least um, for a lot of us in, in the exhibitions and curatorial um, area about um, that open question of what constitutes American art. And uh, do you have thoughts on that, Sandy? Well, I think it's freeing too for every part of it that's a challenge, you realize there's this opportunity to rethink who an artist is by identity, national identity, if they were born here but and are American, but spend their life in Paris producing. Uh, does that constitute American any more than someone who was born in another country but spends their majority here? So I think it opens up a great deal of possibility. And in many ways, it reflects the American spirit. Uh, so I, I have enjoyed those conversations and think that it's just going to get uh, more robust as we become even more of a global society. And particularly as it relates to two, uh, the, um, relationship in North America, what really is American. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think when Sandy's really articulating a contemporary perspective of this, but there's also a historic perspective as well. We're doing, we've got an exhibition called Art of a New Understanding. It teaches us very much about how these borders that we call America or not are something that are that morph and change and historically hadn't existed. So people um, exist in their environment, in the land, um, in a way that is very mobile and very changing and very, you know, adapted. We might even say that um, a lot of indigenous folks, even today, don't necessarily recognize the boundaries that might be considered legal yes. and, and agreed upon by yes. others. So the I'm glad that you mentioned um, our recent Art for New Understanding exhibition as it's traveling. So it's uh, making its way around the country this year, uh, which is another exciting thing we can talk about. But let's take a little palate cleanser here, and I want to play a little game with the two of you. Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to do lightning round. Okay. Okay. So, Gulp. yep. <laughs> so, of course, you know the goal of this is to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't think of it too much. Rod, I know you're a thinker, so try not to think Are on it both too much. answering at the same time? Uh, sure. Okay. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm a little on. competitive. <laughs> okay. So here's the first one. Warhol or Basquiat? Basquiat. Basquiat, yeah. That's my answer too. Okay. American or European? American. American. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> I think that was a trick question. <laughs> Favorite art movement? Early modernism. <laughs> Early modernism. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that cracks me up. <laughs> Modernism. How's Art that? movements are a thing of the past. 
Mm, good answer. <laughs> okay. I, is that a draw? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's your favorite work in the collection? This is hard. The Candy Spill by Felix Gonzalez Torres. And I'll go the opposite direction. Uh, the Martin Johnson Heed Haystack, oh. I think, is just exquisite. Beyonce or Jay Z? <laughs> Beyonce. <laughs> okay. What inspires you? Collaboration. That's the <laughs> same thing said two different ways. I like that. Um, what book is on your nightstand right now? I have The Coddling of the American Mind uh, by John Haidt. And mine is Who the Hell Wants to Work for You <laughs> by Tim Eisenhower. <laughs> That's a great ending to that lightning round. Well, that Thank was. You, Stace. That was a, adorable. <laughs> <laughs> that was indeed an enlightening lightning round. Thank you both. We'll be right back with Rod and Sandy after a quick message about our new exhibition, Men of Steel, Women of Wonder. Superman and Wonder Woman are two of the most beloved icons in American pop culture. Created in times of economic adversity and world war, these characters quickly emerged as beacons of American morality, representing the ideals of truth, justice, and the American way. Opening February 9th and running through April 22nd, Men of Steel, Women of Wonder is a new exhibition developed by Crystal Bridges that examines art world responses to Superman and Wonder Woman, ranging from their Depression-era origins to today's contemporary art interpretations. For more info, visit us at crystalbridges.org. We're back with Rod Bigelow and Sandy Edwards. Okay, let's talk about 2018. What a year. Uh, we had, what, seventh anniversary, right? So we're right. seven years old. Uh, we've uh, welcomed over four million visitors. That kind of blows my mind. I think it blows a lot of other people's minds. In seven too. years, you're right. That uh, yes. was way beyond what I think even you all expected uh, oh, yeah. in the beginning. Uh, we've launched three new exhibitions. We're traveling new shows. Uh, we've reinstalled at least two galleries. I actually have been involved in those projects, and technically it's four that we reinstalled <laughs> this year. Um, and we've activated our North Forest. It's full of sculpture, and we'll be getting even more. So uh, I want to know what projects that each of you are really proud of in 2018. Well, I think the reinstallation of the early American galleries was a tour de force, I will say, from the process where we brought, and you were a part of this, a group of our valued colleagues together to really give thought to how do we talk about and how do we exhibit uh, through art the American uh, spirit. And it is not easy, as you said earlier. It's a complicated story. But I think uh, having thematic uh, ways in which you can approach the art rather than strict chronological uh, walkthrough helps us with certainly with showing uh, the complexity of it. But it also gives us a far more diverse and I think more meaningful look at what it took to uh, develop a nation that was uh, early on just 
struggling to maintain and create some identity and then to have to fight for it. So I think that was terrific. But it's not our opinion that matters as much as it is our guest. And we have recently been able to see um, the research that has come from asking people about it. And it does resonate when you put up a wonderful work that says, we the people, and then ask, who is the we and who is the people? Uh, I think that's resonating. And we're getting very, very positive feedback. We do have some people, I will say, who liked it the way it was, sure. and that's okay. But we see our responsibility as continuing to move uh, the, the narrative forward. Yeah. And as you said, uh, and Rod had mentioned earlier, the, the how do you deal with history when so much of that history, at least in art, uh, wasn't represented? Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot exactly. of people who helped to build the nation who oftentimes were not reflected in the the art practices of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're always trying to find interesting, creative and innovative ways to try to uh, tackle that problem and to um, allow voices to speak and, and faces to emerge. Yeah, the, hard, the hard reality is they're still not represented. And mm-hmm. our job is to continue to enliven that conversation and bring to light those people who are underrepresented or underrecognized. And that's one of our big challenges going forward. Well, what's one of your favorite projects this year, Rod? Well, say you named so many things, and my <laughs> mind is sort of like lightning speed running through all the. And I'm really proud of the team who has accomplished this, and and also our team really believes that we accomplish nothing if we don't uh, have the support and engagement of our community. So that's been thrilling to see throughout the year, as all seven years. Um, I think the expansion into the grounds has been really intriguing and interesting to me. And we started that uh, in 2017 with the opening of the Dale Chihuly exhibition, which shot, which uh, showed how engaging it is to have an experience in the Ozark Forest. And this year we've really invested in creating um, more uh, programs in the forest Everything from Halloween experiences where we had 3,500 kids and adults dress in wildly exuberant costumes (laughs) to come through and experience what was happening out there. Rod gave out candy. Uh (laughs) Lots. Um, To Light Night, which had 6,000 visitors, which, you know, everything from fire breathing to illuminated bicycles to a big band. It It was pretty incredible to see the whole community come out, but... When we're talking about going outdoors, we're really talking about integrating the art and nature experience to its core. That's a big part of our mission. And I think um, it gives a different context. We've we've started to talk about outdoors as gallery spaces Mm -hmm. and those where you can engage with works very differently. And it is an ever-changing environment. We know that the seasons change it. Mm -hmm. The weather changes it. Who's there? What's happening around uh, you um, are all things that affect you and your emotional connection with works of art and with each other. And I think uh, in 2019, we will continue to expand that. So I'm really excited about continuing to build momentum around what happens outside and uh, hope to engage and welcome more people there. We'll actually have our first uh, temporary sculpture exhibition out in the forest in 2019. So We're really stay looking tuned forward for to that. that. Yeah, yes. that's going to be exciting. And, uh, and a few surprises that you don't know about, Stace. I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. I'm always excited to hear new things. 
the other thing too, I will mention, we had Cody George, our head horticulturalist oh, yeah. uh, uh, on the program, one of these uh, earlier. Um, and I think we'll also be working with doing more interpretation of the the flora and fauna, if you will, of the Ozark natural forests that we have. So good stuff coming on, coming up outside. Yeah, really exciting. Hey, Stace, yeah. now that you've asked us, we'd love to hear from you what your most memorable experience is in 2018. Well, since uh, Sandy said the reopening of the galleries, uh, I will pick uh, from my own work and experience uh, getting to work on brand new exhibitions that we've created and developed here ourselves. This is a new big thing for us. We've already recently done, well, in 2014, we did State of the Art, um, and that's going to be a, a follow-up version to that will be upcoming in the future. But I was able to work on the Beyond Georgia O'Keeffe and Contemporary Art. Uh, that was a brand new show that is now traveling as well. And uh, also Men of Steel, Women of Wonder, which is um, opening in February, on February 9th. That's been a really exciting process because I've been able to work with the curators sort of from the very beginning of their concept, uh, their idea, uh, and working through it with them, thinking through an interpretive lens, but also uh, thinking uh, about it to make it as strongest experience possible for the visitor. So I'm very excited. Uh, total plug here for Men of Steel, Women of Wonder. Well, opens and it's, February it's such the 9th. a great title. Can <laughs> we're, we just we're practically give it wearing that? our capes now. Yes. Well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you are. It's very impressive. Thank you. Yeah. So props to, uh, to our assistant curator, Alejo Benedetti, for his, this is his brainchild and his, his addiction, his addiction, <laughs> his passion, and um, it will show. Um, so looking forward to 2019, let's talk a little bit about what's coming down the pike this year. What are you all looking forward to? I think that there is, again, this opportunity to really engage in the outdoors uh, in an even expanded way. So uh, we, as Rod just said, we're going to have far more uh, art that is going to be in our north uh, forest sculpture area. And uh, we're going to continue to program it really, I think, in thoughtful and fun ways. So we're looking forward to that. And it's interesting. Our challenge is often, how do you get people outside when it's cold? And we've decided to embrace that this year. So uh, we're not going to reveal in this particular podcast <laughs> what that's going to be. Stay but tuned. I think I think it gives us an opportunity to really uh, think more creatively and find ways in which we can bring the public out during times when maybe they're not used to going outside or uh, encountering the museum in that way. Yeah, I think for me, uh, there's nothing more exciting than change. Some of the team would challenge me on that. But um, I think for our guests, we want to create new and additional experiences for them. And so Sandy mentioned outdoors. Uh, we're, we've acquired some pretty amazing new works indoors too that uh, will uh, create completely consumptive experiences. <clears throat> you'll, you'll enter them, you'll experience them, Great. you'll exit them. We're just dangling all sorts we of like, uh, ideas. I love installation art. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's very exciting for us. Um, I, I also am excited about our culinary program. I think Sometimes we look at the visual arts and we look at architecture and we look at uh, nature as the 
um, most mm-hmm. impressive experiences that we have. But that culinary component where, you know, we all eat and our team in the museum is trying to extend that experience through taste mm-hmm. and uh, and smells that are uh, interesting, new and fantastic. And I think we'll see that evolve and really accelerate next year too. So there's there's a the exhibitions you mentioned are phenomenal. They will travel around the country for many years and uh you can't miss what's and anything any day at the museum. Right. Another thing I would say that I've enjoyed being a part of is the uh, uh on our staff we have what's called uh an inclusion, diversity, equity and accessibility committee, so the idea committee. Um and Part of what's been exciting about being a part of that experience is getting to work with our staff members um, to learn more about each other, uh, learn more about um, things that bring us together, uh, things that make us different from one another. Um, And I was just curious if you, uh, Rod, have any idea about uh, some things coming up that you can talk about in that realm? So as far as uh, inclusion is concerned, we'll continue to do our efforts around continuing to collect and broaden our collection. The programming that we will in, continue to do and expand uh, embraces multiple parts of the community. Um, and we're actually going to go out into the community and more robustly engage and listen to what people want from all across Northwest Arkansas. So you'll find us uh, listening and learning from advocacy groups or in, in uh groupings that we'll pull together to just figure out what you want in your community. So that's exciting for us to actually take our programs and our activities outside of the boundaries of the 120 acres that makes up Crystal Bridges. Yeah, and there's a lot of staff support for that. We're all very excited to to do that too because our staff is made up of people from all over, almost every community. Um, Yeah, and it's amazing when we think about 600,000 or more people come to the museum every year. But still, there are many people that don't, um, and there are lots of reasons for that. Whether it's transportation or economics, or you know, nor- some norms that exist that keep people from coming, and so we want to go out and spend time and understand what people are interested in and how we can uh, benefit their community in whatever way they might. So we're excited about that, and then. The momentary, which um, we're all very excited about, of course, now in 2019, we're just get honing in on the opening, which is projected for 2020. And it's going to be a place where we get to see artists in residence and art being made and really integrating the arts so that we will look at music and film and dance as well as the visual arts and in a really wonderful facility. So the adaptive reuse of a former craft cheese plant. Uh, we're all excited about it. It's a new level of energy and it just plays so well with the Crystal Bridges ethos of welcoming all. Yeah, it's one of the, I guess in 2018, that was another one of the big things was we were able to announce mm-hmm. the momentary. Uh, we launched uh, the website. We got the first uh, videos, glimpses yes. of the new facility. So um, so now the community can kind of share in our excitement for what's coming down yeah. the road with that facility. They're yeah, hiring it, new people. It'll right. energize a whole sector of the city in a brand new way and we saw with State of the Art in 2014 how uh, living artists really embraced our community and were able to communicate really interesting ideas and, and challenge and communicate with our community in, in very robust ways. And 
much of what we learned from that experience will translate into the momentary. So yeah, we also learned that our community really likes yeah. contemporary art. Yeah, yeah, yes, and I think that mm. gave us certainly the the faith and trust to move forward with this. I think too, it's going to be a place where we'll be able to do even more partnership with other performing arts groups, uh, theater groups, others in our community. It opens up a whole new space. So that will be thrilling, along with the idea of having a place inside Bentonville where we can have festivals. But we're not going to tell you too much because that's um, the director, Levin Bertels, is going to share all that. That's right. We've already, Rachel Tucker's already lining up a future podcast uh, episode featuring Levin. Uh, so stay tuned. A great new addition to our team. Yes, indeed. He's great. So I look forward to talking with him and, and uh, hearing his vision. But I've really enjoyed talking to the both of you. I really appreciate you taking your time because I know you're very busy people. So thanks for popping in and uh, sharing your thoughts with us on Museum Way. Thanks, Ace. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Stace. On January 25th, join us for an exciting spotlight talk with contemporary Korean artist Do Ho Sa. In this spotlight talk, Sa will share his sculptural practice with special focus on the work Some One installed in the museum's contemporary art gallery. Working across various media creating drawings, film, and sculptural works, Sa confronts questions of home, physical space, displacement, memory, individuality, and collectivity. Tickets and more info at crystalbridges.org. Thanks for tuning in to Museum Way. We hope you enjoyed the episode and tune in each month to hear more. Head over to our social media channels and leave a question or comment about what you'd like to hear on future episodes. I'm Stace Treat, and I'll catch you next time, right here on Museum Way. Museum Way.